Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to At the Movies with Lo and Mo, episode seven. Nice. Episode seven. Welcome. Wow. You did it, bud. First try, Good. everybody. First try. This is progress. This is progress. This is wonderful. So, we just got done. Lovely, <laughs> lovely day outside. The sun's out on my end. Uh, it's a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You know, the birds are chirping. All is all is calm. We started our day by watching David Cronenberg's The Fly. Yeah, it was a good start to the day. I woke up, got some coffee, and then I was like, you know what? It's time for a horror sci-fi movie. So, it's definitely a movie that like you watch it and it makes you like want to eat. Like it definitely you want to have something like goopy in front of you to eat like you know, something with a lot of sauce or like a lot of like liquids, like a soup or like pasta or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like you want, you just want a big bowl of slop, dude. You just want a big bowl of slop. Just kind of just maybe it like eats away the bowl sure. or something when you're doing it. Like just something that's so acidic that it just breaks down. That's what you really want. Yeah, it definitely definitely makes you want to throw up on your food before mm-hmm. you eat it. That's how I um, eat normally. <laughs> this so this movie wasn't a shock for you. No, I was like, oh, finally, someone like me. My people. My people. <laughs> I thought that I'd say that during a Scorsese film, but hey, here we are. Here we are. So a few notes on this before we talk about our feelings on it um, that I think are interesting. We talked about how Dead Zone kind of doesn't feel like a Cronenberg movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of his like best run at, at like a major studio film. Yeah. This, to me, feels like both a Cronenberg movie and a major studio film, somehow. This definitely um, has a Cronenberg feel to it. Like, you can tell that this is a Cronenberg movie. Where the Dead Zone, you were left, like, if, like if you didn't know and you sat down to watch it, you really couldn't pick who uh, the director was, but this one is very clearly has the stamp of David Cronenberg on it. Yeah, and beyond the, uh, even beyond the body horror stuff, like, the feel of the movie is is Cronenberg. The industrial look of the pods where jeff goldblum lives like kind yep. of this run down like warehouse setting kind of thing it's it's very cold looking um and the movie starts with it opens with score from howard shore who i was looking at i knew i recognized the name he did the score for the brood he did the score for videodrome nice he also did the score for martin scorsese's after hours it's interesting how these movies are starting to connect a little bit. Like when you, I mean, obviously it's the same time period. So you're going to see a lot of like, kind of like cross and stuff with it, but it's interesting to see these directors kind of use some of the same talent as far as like, you know, the composer goes. At foreboding, like as soon as the fly shows up on the screen, like the title card and it goes like, it has these like big chords. Um, I just immediately felt like I was in a Cronenberg movie. Like I, I felt like it was like buckle your seatbelt, like that you're back in the yeah. back on the saddle. You know, that was one of the first things you um, said when we were watching the, it. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is that curiously enough, Mel Brooks produced this movie. Um, you'll see the Brooks film title card. I know that he purposely kept his name off of the credits because he didn't want people to expect a funny movie. Yeah. I remember a story. One of my uh, a screenwriting teacher in, in um, college said that 
the theater that he grew up by when this movie came out was giving out the fly hats when you went to go see the movie and it had like antennas on it. Okay. And everyone. So fact that it said Brooks film and the fact that they were, I don't know if nobody saw the trailer or what the deal was, but the fact that it said Brooks film and the fact that the theater was giving out funny hats for the movie it, made yeah. a lot of people think that this was going to be very funny. Yeah. Um, and yep. it is very funny. Yeah, it is. But did not get what they were expecting. This is a movie that feels like it was designed to be seen with people. Like, like I would love to have been in that theater crowd the night this opened and to yeah. be around people and to hear people like going like, there's know? a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of like parts in this movie where there's a lot of reactionary type um, film and scenes where it would have been great, like you said, to just be in there and just hearing those squirms and maybe the seats creak a little bit because people are getting on uneasy because it definitely made me feel uneasy at parts. So all of that being said, yeah, what did you know about The Fly going in? And uh, let's let's talk about our reaction to this movie. I, You know what, man? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really know much about The Fly. I've heard about it before. I've never seen it. Uh, just a little bit of insight that you gave me before we started watching was kind of all I went in there knowing. And I did look it up because I always look up how much like the budget was so I can kind of grasp like what they're going for. And they had a $16.5 million budget for this film. And it fully delivers on that. When you look at a budget that's that big, you kind of expect, you know, a lot of different, you know, effects, different scenes. And Cronenberg delivers on it. He delivers on it from the body horror perspective when we see Jeff Goldblum's character start to slowly transition into Bunderfly, which I thought was a funny little take on it, like that they were coming together as one, which is what the movie really <laughs> says. And I think the part that stuck out for me in this was when he's trying to fix himself, he's at his computer and his teeth just like all fall out onto the keyboard of uh, the computer and that's the part where i was like oh okay <laughs> and then that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie there was some earlier effects you know and we see him transform into like the holes and like the fly type character but when his teeth finally f like fall out that was when we fully transition into what we come to expect in the next one with the skin and the shedding and everything and one of my second favorite scene besides the one with the teeth is when he's in that bar and he's fully like feeling himself and he goes to arm wrestle uh, the guy at the bar and to take his girl home as a prize. He grabs his hand so much that pus starts coming out of his hand. Like that, just that saliva, that pus, and then just snaps, snaps his forearm right there. And everybody in the bar is so shocked besides the girl that he's taking home, grabs her and they're off to just have a great time. She just witnessed her boyfriend's arm get broken, and she's like, oh, this will be fun. Let's go. It's so funny because on their walk, she says something about, like, she was like, so you're a bodybuilder or something? And he goes, I, he goes, I build bodies. I break them, and then I build them or something mm -hmm. like that. And she goes, well, you sure broke Bobby. This movie is, like, even by my standards, by somebody who loves Cronenberg and, like, makes the body horror thing, like, this movie is gross. Yeah, this movie's extremely. really gross. It is somehow, for some reason, it clicked with people. Like, at, at a time, like, it, it got people, it got butts in seats. People went to see this movie. It was successful. Um, and I think there's a few reasons for that. I also want to mention the, the effects won an Academy Award. 
Just, oh, I mean, um, it definitely deserves it. Definitely deserves it. The effects were some of the best I've even seen, even when we talk about current, like, cinema and current film. And um, we've lost this kind of practical effect in, you know, in movies now. So going back to a time where that's all they had in 1986, it, it definitely deserves an award. And I think even if you pulled off something like this now, using those effects, I would still say it deserves an award. It was well done. Puppet at the end is unbelievable. Um, the way that it... And I guess this is skipping ahead, not that we really recap plots anyways, but um, when Gina Davis is, Veronica, is um, holding up the shotgun to destroy the Brundlefly uh, odd fusion creature at the very end, the puppet, who is the Brundlefly, takes the shotgun and like puts it to its head. It's so believable yeah. as, a, as a creature. You mm-hmm. know, like, it, this thing, obviously, it's like, not Jeff Goldblum anymore. It's not Jeff Goldblum acting, but it is so believable that that is a living thing, you know, that wants put out of its misery. It, yeah, I mean, at that point, like, I don't really, I don't really blame it. I mean, it just tried so hard to become human again. That's all he wanted was to just be human, and he ends up not even coming close. And he gets fused with the pod that broke, and you just see he's got like a shark fin of metal coming out of him yeah. now it's just like it's just a fully to that point where you're like wow it's just it's, you know you feel for him you're like this is it did you happen to see how much it made i did well i saw i no i didn't see how much total gross i i saw how much it made opening weekend it made seven million dollars opening weekend the total made 60 million wow it is cronenberg's most successful uh commercially successful film Cronenberg rewrote the script for this, and I love the idea that he's like talking to Fox executives and Mel Brooks, and they're like, "So what do you have for us?" And he's like, "So, his nails squirt pus all over the mirror. His teeth fall out. He gradually turns into an actual fly. Uh, he gets fused with metal shards, and we blow its head off at the end of the movie and show the full thing." And Mel Brooks and Fox were like, "Here's sixteen point five million dollars." Yeah, they're like, "Here you go. Yeah, just have fun with that. That sounds great." Hey, I mean, it's good though. Imagine if, like, imagine if they said no to this. I mean, sixty uh, when you spend sixteen point five million on a film and your overall gross ends up being sixty million. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. As far as I mean, that's a huge return on investment. I'm sure the producers were happy. Um, I think that this movie. So it, we said that it feels like a Cronenberg movie, and that's true, but there's something that separates it for me, and it's not just the budget or anything, um, or, you know, the major studio stuff. So I think that a lot of times, obviously there's focus on, like, body, um, and, like, flesh and body, and, like, sex is, like, an, yeah. a common theme in his movies and stuff. I think a lot of times when you're watching Cronenberg, like, I think about The Brood, I think about Videodrome, you're focusing on one character it's just kind of like a study of their psyche. Like it's more cerebral. It's more head. Yeah. What's this person thinking what motivates them. This movie feels like the opposite. It feels like it's all heart. And I think that that's also what attracted people Yep. is because just as much as it is a monster movie and like a, a sci-fi horror movie and all this stuff, it's also a tragedy. It's a oh, romance. 100%. I mean, 100% like first, yeah. You spend the first third of the movie just really, being charmed by Jeff Goldblum's character and getting yeah. to know Gina Davis and wanting them to, you know, you like their relationship yeah. and you want them to be happy. I think that's interesting. That's ultimately, that's what makes you invest in in them. 
the rest of the film. You well, know? they do a really good job at the beginning. Like you in that first third and that first like act when he's at that um, like conference or whatever that is at the beginning. And she's a journalist. Veronica's a journalist trying to find the next big story. And he's not so, I feel like he's uncomfortable when he's out and around, which is interesting to kind of see with how it, like eccentric he is uh, with everything as it goes on with this movie but it's almost like forced her back to his place to just get the story. But he didn't want her to get the story. He just wanted her. He wanted someone to talk, talk to, and then finds out she's a journalist and about has like a breakdown. And then as the film goes on a little bit, they get closer and closer. She starts spending more and more time. And, you know, you see a really strong bond, a strong love formed right before our eyes, which sets the tone and gets us as the viewer invested into this film and invested into these characters. And I don't think if they spent that time at the beginning, you wouldn't feel as invested. And like you said, the tragedy, the heart of this film, as it progresses with, you know, Seth and uh, becoming the fly, we wouldn't have felt as bad as we did with it if they didn't establish this in the beginning. Like for a film like this or a film like Geodrome, it feels like there is no filler. Like there's no bullshit. There's no padding. He, I read a thing about his opinion on sequels. And he said that his movies have a definitive beginning and a definitive end. And he does that on purpose. What's interesting about that, me, is that this movie, I mean, it is literally has a definitive beginning and end because the movie begins with him courting her at that conference. There's no lead up. It's just immediately you're introduced to these two characters. Movie ends with her blowing the fly's head off. And that's it. It's the end of the movie. It is, in the literal sense, it is a definitive beginning, definitive end. There is no bullshit. It's an hour and a half. It is just, you know, every, it seems like there's, even with him slowly transforming into a fly, like even the gradual transformation, the pacing feels perfect. Like there's nothing that where you're like, oh, Jesus is taking a while or anything. No, it was really perfectly timed. It's perfectly timed with that transition Um, to like from start to finish. I thought it was cool though when we first start seeing him transition because obviously I've never seen this movie and I didn't really know what it was about. I was like, and I even cracked a joke to you. I was like, oh, it's a superhero movie because they did that like montage in there where he was like, he was so strong and he was like doing flips and gymnastic routines and he was on top of the world. And you're like, wow, this this man finally gets it. And then only to be just brought down throughout the each and every step after that. You're like, wow, yeah. just beats you down. I had a you you mentioned this so you mentioned uh when he goes to the bar so he gets fed up with gina davis um because she won't go through the transporter he wants to put her through and she won't do it um so he gets like fed up and at this point he is already turning into the fly but like you said he's at this beginning cycle where he is kind of just getting all of these hours and these abilities and the stamina so yep. he goes to the bar to pick up that that girl um What's interesting to me is that, like, once Gina Davis walks in on, he's, like, trying to, he's going to force this girl he brought home from the bar into the transporter. Gina Davis catches them. uh, Then the girl leaves, and him and Gina Davis have a conversation. But he starts to talk about, like, how she is, like, a coward, and he's, like, hitting things, and, like, he's... No, if this was if he was a normal person and not mm-hmm. a fly, and if this was a normal relationship, it would be very like uh like emotionally or verbally abusive. Yeah, and got me thinking like, is this who Jeff Goldblum's character like? Does this actually have to do with his transformation, 
or as we see from the beginning, he clearly values like women as, as prizes, as trophies kind yep. of thing. Is this the kind of person he would have been regardless of his transformation? You know? It, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you because it makes him the fullest at that point at kind of like the apex of his before he starts transforming like fully in, into that. At that, I think it made him the the I don't want to say best version of himself because it really wasn't, but it makes him like the truest form of himself of who he feels that, that, that he is without any boundaries, without any, like something holding him back at the apex before he starts to transform. It's just fully, that's who he wants to be. He's strong. He's free. He keeps seeing, he keeps saying that throughout the thing too. He's like, I'm finally free. I'm finally free. So I agree with you in the thought that this is who he truly wants to be or true, truly is on a deep, deep level. Um, so the yeah, so the director of the sequel and also the person that did the effects for this uh, also did the effects for Gremlins, which is another one of my favorite films. Um, Chris Wallace, he designed the makeup to represent like stages of aging. He wanted you know as this process goes on, it's like you are becoming you know you see him become after this after his youthful energy and being able to do flips and and last in bed for hours and hours and all yeah. this stuff you see him start to you know debilitate or become debilitated and he's where he's using two canes yep. at one point and barely able to stand um, want his they wanted his skin to continue to like bruise and discolor and just kind of like you know, as the aging process would but because of when the movie came out a lot of people uh, interpreted it as like a metaphor for the AIDS epidemic. I could see which was that. interesting. I could see that. And Cronenberg said, "Yeah, Cronenberg was like, this is not what I had intended, but it makes complete sense that at the time an audience would connect this with mm-hmm. something that was happening. And the idea of you know, like you said, like we we relate to these characters so much. You, it's interesting because you relate to almost all of them. I mean, there's three main characters, so." Seth Brundle, you relate to this person because they are suffering. Dana Davis, you relate to because you you she is seeing someone she loves suffer. Yeah, finally too, and, she's with somebody and, she loves. Right, and even so, even her asshole boss, ex boyfriend, and a guy who's trying to scoop her away from Brundle the whole time. Even at the end of the film. I start to have a little bit of sympathy for him because even if he, even though he is helping her, uh, even if it's not for the right reasons, yeah, which I don't know, you know, at the, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, oh, he he sees Brundle as a as a threat because he's a man that she's interested in. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's not really the case at the end of the movie. Um, but I start to sympathize with his character too because he is kind of putting it all out there for this woman that he cares about and even though he's an asshole i mean this is like one of the scariest things that could ever happen to someone and he is why similarly to us watching gina davis seeing jeff goldblum suffer he is seeing gina davis suffer you know and and um he goes through the ringer at the end of this man he gets his he gets his fist melted he gets his leg melted it's Gnarly stuff. You know what was interesting, and I wanted to bring this up too. Now you're more of the horror guy than I am, but this is—it probably wasn't the first time I saw, it, but it's the first time that I've been made aware or kind of seen it. So usually, when you think horror or like sci-fi, the majority of the world gets affected by what's going on. 
so there's like a common issue or you know a villain or a killer and the whole world gets kind of like spun up in it this was the first time that i think i realized or even seen a movie where nobody gets hurt in this movie as a horror movie like nobody gets hurt besides like an internal hurt as far as like the heart and gina davis's character jeff goldblum or seth gets hurt because he can't ever get back to being human the only person that gets like hurt badly is you know stathis um you know when he gets uh you know when the fly starts like vomiting on him and just like melts away his skin and his hands become nub and his foot nobody else in the world gets affected by Brundlefly. Besides a couple people, like nobody gets hurt. It's not a big thing. It's not like going crazy about the town. It's just an isolated incident, which was interesting. It was cool. I really liked that. Yeah, um, it's definitely not traditional in the sense that there are not like kills in this movie. You know, um, in fact, the only kill is the one at the end, and it is a it's a mercy kill. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's interesting. Uh, it was something I read that there was a scene initially in the script uh and it's they had re they showed a couple of rough cuts and they had taken some things out um they never actually filmed this but there was a scene initially where the brundlefly accidentally kills an old woman uh by puking on her oh, okay um, and they never, they never filmed it which i think is good because like you said i like how this plays yeah out. i, I think, really think yeah i'm really glad they didn't go with that other thing was in the initial script and one of the viewings they did, they had the maggot scene, the birth, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the film to like shock audiences. Uh, but because of the reaction, they ended up resequencing it in the movie. And I also think that works because this movie doesn't need any kind of twist. I don't think to no. leave you feeling like, you know, like it doesn't need anything to shock you. The whole film itself does stay with you. It, it's effective, and the the where they put the scene in the movie as a dream sequence is effective for you to understand the last thing that i want to bring up before we talk about our rankings um is the humor in this movie i think the writing david cronenberg so he he there was a, an initial script that was rewritten twice and then when cronenberg got on the project this is so crazy because you told me you were watching total recall last night mm-hmm. cronenberg was originally attached to total recall oh wow and wasn't able to make to direct this film and then what happened was the director the proposed director for this film his daughter passed away uh in an accident and he was unable to attach himself to the project and then cronenberg was no longer attached to total recall so they reapproached him and he was able to take it um wow what what wrote, different both of those movies would have been if right, that didn't happen right. that's insane this stands out from cronenberg's films in the sense that this has more humor in it than I mean, his films are pretty humorless. They're pretty cold yeah, they're and dry. Like, yeah. You know? And maybe it also maybe has to do with uh with Goldblum. I think he plays the character perfectly. Uh, but he is a charmer from the get go. When he gets her into the uh, into his loft and he's playing the piano and he's like, "Well, I can't let you leave alive now," you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as a joke, and then even as he's turning into the fly, line that made me laugh is when Gina Davis uh him with the girl from the bar he says he says to the girl from the bar i forgot to tell you i live with my mom mom this is tony it's like he he really even like as he gradually becomes the fly up until the point where he is finally just like is disintegrating literally yeah. he is 
making quips and stuff. I mean, even the saddest, one of the saddest moments in the movie is he's kind of in this last stage and Gina Davis visits his apartment to see him like one last time. And it breaks both of their hearts. They both end up sobbing at the end of the scene. But during the scene, he is talking about like, you ever heard of insect politics? No. And he's got these, these like really unique. Yeah whips about he really is a charming character he's like i just wanted to be the first insect politician and i was like wait what (laughs) you wanted to be the first insect politician that would be better than what we have now this movie is fascinating to me because it is definitely a cronenberg movie through and through it separates itself from the from the rest of his filmography both because of how successful it was like on a mainstream level yeah and because of the heart and the writing is it's all just a little bit different than you would expect from him mm-hmm. with that being said um would you rank this in Cronenberg's well, you go. filmography you go first since you go. i would say that because it is i would i would say that uh just because it is maybe a little less cer- cerebral his usual stuff like i think some people that may be the one thing that some people have against this movie is they think like oh like it makes you know movies that you that are you have to really think and it's hard to wrap your head around and this is a little dumbed down mm-hmm. but i think that that's like I don't, I don't think that necessarily something not be or something being accessible means that it's dumbed down like i think there's a lot here to meditate on and there's a lot that sticks with you um I do still think that if I was going to tell somebody to watch a Cronenberg movie, like really wanted to know what he was about, I would tell them to watch the brood or I would tell them to watch Videodrome. But if I was recommending Cronenberg movie to someone who is just a horror fan, just wants to see, you know, a classic horror movie that they've never seen before um, Mm. is absolutely the one I would recommend to them. And so for that reason, this movie is going to rank third for me in my list. Number three, The Fly. Number four, Shivers. Number five, Fast Company. Number six, Scanners. Number seven, Dead Zone. And number eight, Rabid. Nice. That's enough to you, my friend. Yeah, so when we originally... So before we sat down and I opened up the rankings, I really was kind of like, I didn't know where to put this one. Uh, But as we talked about it and I kind of was able to analyze and really appreciate some parts... I was really torn in between um, where I should put this as far as, um, you know, the rankings go. And I'm actually going to put it as my fourth film. So my films will be Videodrome, Brood, Shivers, The Fly, Fast Company, Scanners, The Dead Zone, and then Rabbit. I think I'm going to put it at the fourth because not that it was... You know, I don't think that it was worse than the movies ahead of it. I just think it was different, and I appreciated the ones before it a little bit different than I did this one. They're all great in their own sense of, like, film, and I agree with you when you say, as far as, like, a recommendation goes, you have to be careful who you actually recommend this film to and, you know, like, what they're going for. But the films before it, I think you can give a solid recommendation for this, and you would get a pretty good... Like, thank you from the people that you recommended it to if they weren't familiar with them. Or this one could go either way with some people. I think this is, like, almost comparable to, from a Scorsese standpoint, uh, like, the King of Comedy. Mm -hmm. 
somebody somebody might put that on and be like, this is a Scorsese movie. And then as they watch it, they would go, oh, this is definitely a Scorsese yeah. movie. But it is funnier. It is different than his usual thing. And even though his imprint is on it, it stands kind of apart from a lot of the stuff he made around the same time, you know? So a new segment of our show, At the Movies, do you have any movie recommendations outside of what we've been watching or anything you watched recently that you'd like to just... Yes. Um... Let's pull up the old letterbox here. Here's a here's a new plug for you guys. If you want to follow me, uh, I'm at AV Mook on Letterboxd. Um, mostly watching the kind of stuff we talk about here, horror, obscure stuff. Um, yeah, I've got I've got two. Um, I watched this weekend. I watched Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Nice. That's what uh, you're talking which about. Is a Freaky Friday uh, horror adaptation that could very easily be. Uh, stupid like very dumb and instead i was shocked at how good it was it was very funny the kills are very gory and unique um it's just a strong movie it plays with a lot of teen horror tropes and um nice. also pays tribute to movies that i love like friday the 13th and halloween so i had a really great time with that one and that's available for rent um it's like 5.99 other one that i would recommend is annihilation which i saw in theaters um and hadn't seen it since then it is a another sci-fi horror movie um and is beautiful to look at it is like stunning the visuals are stunning uh it also has some of the most disturbing scenes i've seen in a movie in a long time so it really strikes that balance of being like something beautiful and genuinely terrifying um ali portman is in it uh jennifer jason lee oscar isaac um, I don't know how to describe it outside of that. There's just a lot of creature stuff going on, and it's it is a little out there, kind of psychedelic. It's a lot to think about. There's not maybe a concrete ending, yeah. Um, but it is very one of a kind film. So I would recommend those two. Hell yeah. Um, so I don't really have any movies to recommend. Uh, but the movies that I watched this week, I watched total. Recall of the original one, which was, you know, we talked about it earlier. I thought it was really funny and I really like that one. I think it brings up a lot of like questions as well uh, when you're watching it. And I enjoyed uh, the effects and really appreciate Arnold as an actor a little bit. Yeah. You know, you have to appreciate Arnold as an actor. That man has done so much in his life. And I don't think that like he really gets a lot of like credit for the different things that he's done. I mean, being like governor, the best bodybuilder of his time, bringing it and then being an actor as well. And so many different roles. It was, it was good to see. No joke. I watched, I watched that for the first time this past year. And it is the movie that made me want to watch more Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Cause I had seen the predator. I'd seen predator. I was like, yeah, I like predator. Predator's cool an action movie you know action sci-fi kind of thing and it seemed jingle all the way holiday classic i was like oh it's funny because it's arnold schwarzenegger and he's a family mm -hmm. man and he says give me the cookies and all that stuff uh drop the cookie uh this was the movie that i was like damn like he is a is perfect for this like sci-fi action dystopian he's like captain thing. camp dude he's captain camp it sets these... the tone for other movies like the running man that he's in and stuff like that. Yeah, like, great movie. These movies where it's just like, there's a little bit of a sci-fi bend, but it's just a chance for Arnold to yeah. do his thing. 
and the effects that you mentioned are are in that movie uh really really amazing the stuff that freaks me out every time is when they're um exposed to the to the martian air and their eyes are coming mm-hmm. out of their heads you know I do have a question for our viewers. I have two, actually. My first question would be, so in the comments, to promote a little comment. So I was thinking, I haven't talked to Aaron about this yet, but what would you think if we did some one-off series that aren't on Tuesdays or these add to movies or maybe do like a fan favorite Fridays or something like that, where you submit a movie to us that you really enjoyed. It could be any from any time period. It could be, you know, 1970 to current. Um, and just let us know, like, hey, I'd really like you guys to have a review of this movie. And we'll put it out as a one-off maybe once a month or however it comes out. And we'll do, like, a fan favorite Friday. Or, slash, would you like to see more independent film uh, reviews, such as, like, rent pale or any movies like that that are currently coming out that have more of a smaller following and an independent feel? Let us know in the comments what you think and what you would like to see. Because th- me and him have talked before maybe do some one-off special episodes in addition to what we're doing now. Cause we've really enjoyed doing these series. We've really enjoyed them. I love that. I love that idea. Um, I like, you know, I obviously want people to feel engaged with the work that we're creating and love the movies we're watching, but it is kind of the one thing that I get to do to get my brain away from work is mm-hmm. to is watch movies. Uh, so I would love to know what people we would like or want to know our, our thoughts on um so absolutely sound off in the comments and let us know what you're thinking and and let's see if we can get something going and my second question before we end it is 60 percent of you that are watching this right now are not subscribed to this youtube channel what are you doing what are you doing 60 percent of you are not subscribed let's do it let's do it for lomo let's do it for at the movies and most of all do it so you can see more arnold schwarzenegger recommendations for movies Absolutely. There's no other way to find out what Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are good or bad. You just mm-hmm. subscribing to the channel is the only way to know. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you go ahead and do that for us. If you like and share, um, those are things you can do for free that help us out immensely. And uh, lastly, as always, if you are subscribed, if you are sharing, if you are enjoying these videos, thank you for watching. We really do we appreciate, appreciate you. Enjoy doing it. So next week we have a wild one. Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, you know who we're watching? I know what we're watching. We are watching The Last Temptation of Christ. Yep. Uh, and this is a controversial film from its time. Oh, yeah. It's Willem Dafoe, who I love. I am kind of like the color of money. I think biblical epics are certainly not my forte in terms of film. Me either. But I am excited because I like the director and I like the lead and I like movies that are polarizing so i'm very curious we're gonna walk into it'll be a good one so that being said we'll see you back here at the home theater on next tuesday have a good one thanks for watching at the movies